Hi everyone and welcome to the November 22nd installment of the Silicon Insider, the only truly honest and uncensored look at life and business in the Valley. We're at our 1949 car table and ready to go. My name is Mike Malone and I've been covering this town longer than anybody. I'm here with my co-host Scott Budman, legendary reporter for NBC Bay Area and probably a little sleepy today after covering the news <laughs> last night. Uh, we're recording this at the studio at PRX Tech, Inc. in San Jose. Thanks, Brenna Bolger. And our producer is Tad Malone. Now let's get started. Okay, so big story of the week. Yeah, it happened last night. The what time? You were unveiling. afraid. It wasn't that bad. Okay, I mean, you for thought an, you were going to be up till 2 a.m. Yeah, for an Elon Musk joint, they started only about 20 minutes late. But That's on the like East Coast, it was late. It was the Cybertruck. The Cybertruck. And I mean... I must admit, my jaw dropped throughout the whole thing. The entire presentation, <laughs> my jaw was on the floor. A, this is a truck, and by now I hope you all have gotten a chance to see it. It's like something out of Mad Max Thunderdome. Right. It's like something out of those video games when I was a kid, you know, back in the late 70s, early 80s, where you still had polygons and you were moving around your Atari right. stuff. Um, and it, it was just fascinating. Pickup truck, big range potentially big mileage big torque yeah big torque um big price you know but it starts at forty thousand dollars not well, bad not for a loaded bad. truck no i've paid forty thousand for a pickup sure truck. and I, I know you're a truck guy so i want to get you obviously to talk about this um shockingly even for an elon musk presentation they brought out uh you know the, the chief designer uh he comes out and they had shown how here's what a big metal ball will do to a regular window of a truck. And it'll yeah. break it, not surprisingly. Yeah. And then they showed it with the Tesla. So they're like, hey, why don't you throw the big metal ball at the window of the truck that's sitting on stage? And he did, and the window shattered. <laughs> and there was, I saw the clip. And Musk that's... admits, didn't plan on that one. Let's try the back window, because what else could go wrong? <laughs> Throws it at the back window, which shatters as well. And there was some awkwardness, and then Elon Musk did the rest of the presentation with two shattered windows behind him. It was unreal. That, okay, I, I like that, though. And I've covered, and I know you've covered, hundreds of presentations. And, you know, usually the problem is, oops, the Wi-Fi went out. Yeah. Or the software didn't run perfectly. Been to those. Yeah. I've been to a few embarrassing, dirty opening jokes oh, that okay. ruined press conferences, but <laughs> never seen the product actually destructed. It was. And so everything he did when he was talking about the specs and, and all yeah. the stuff about the truck and the truck itself had these two giant windows. And, you know, if you've ever uh, played softball and broken a window, and I was cringing like right, that the whole through time. the whole thing. Yeah, because you'd see these smashed windows. Um, but... It's an electric truck, which I think the world needs. Ford is going to have one. Rivian, the startup, is going to have yes. one. It's just such an unorthodox design. And I, I ask you, you're, you've you okay. owned pickup trucks. Is this something that truck people will go for and buy? Okay, well, a li little preface. I've owned four trucks. Okay. A, mids, a little one, and then I had a Silverado, then a GM Sierra, and now i got a Ford F-150. The most popular uh, The most vehicle popular in vehicle yes. in America. Okay. So, I kind of know trucks. Yeah. I, I kind of know where trucks come from in people's minds. Also, it's kind of interesting timing. We're having this movie coming out about the Ford GT versus <laughs> Ferrari. <laughs> right. And you look at those cars, and I knew a guy who was a, a real car guy, a, a real collector. And he argued that something had been lost when they went from designing cars in clay where you put your hand on it and you could feel the curves and it was organic to computerized 
car design. And this strikes me as the very apogee of computer design. It's just angles. It, right. looks, it looks like a series of triangles put together on a computer like a kid would do, you know? And I looked at it, I go, is this practical? Do we even know the implications of using this in the real world? Are you really going to throw your guns in the back and go hunting? Are you going to put a sheet of plywood from Lowe's in the back and take it home? How about your garbage? How about debris? leaves and stuff you're taking to the dump you're gonna go to the dump in this thing <laughs> i mean i'm sure it's fast because it's electric right it's gonna have monster torque i want to see a trailer being pulled behind this thing they actually showed and and again this is the tesla you know event so who knows but it was a f-150 versus the tesla and the tesla was able to pull the f-150 and win the tug of war who knows what that means they also had it run against a porsche yeah. And, you know, it eventually oh, went faster but than but the a, But a Honda Odyssey is faster than a 67 GTO. They've shown that. Okay, that's great. But practically speaking, Teslas are, are faster than Ferraris. But how many Teslas do you see ripping down the highway? I never do it. There's a different mentality to electric cars. Right. And I think that's true for electric trucks. I mean, this is a geek truck. Oh yeah. Will will a rancher drive this thing around the you know to feed the cattle with bales of hay in the back? It's hard to even see the bed on the thing. I mean, it's it it it's just odd in that way. We, can you keep stuff in the back? Are the sides and the gate high enough to hold stuff? Or is this just we got an electric motor? We got a frame. Let's just build something different on top of it. Yeah, I guess it depends if the rancher is environmentally minded and says, all right, I'm going to get an electric truck, but he may yeah. also get the F-150. I think it's going to be called yeah. the E-150. I mean, I could see getting an E-150. Yeah. Um, you use the word practical and Tesla in the same sentence. And yeah. after last night, I don't think you can do that, at least for this truck. It's it's not screaming practicality. I think it's an intellectual exercise. Yeah. I, think, I think it's a geek truck. I don't think traditional truck drivers are going to buy this thing. I think people who have never owned a pickup truck in their life and they want to, you know, they want to macho it up and get something they think is a truck, they're going to be drawn to this one. They might. I mean, I streamed it last night and the comments uh, from truckers were like, this is a little too outlandish because, right, they have practical concerns and practical desires with their truck. Right. But the non-truck owner said, hey, maybe I'll get a truck. This looks amazing. I can, ha I can finally have a truck and, yeah. and feel justified. Right. But I think a lot of guys who are driving, you know, good mileage cars and stuff like that, responsible vehicles, <laughs> in their heart of hearts wants a truck. And I know why. I discovered this years ago. I had a van, I had a Jaguar, and I had a pickup truck. And I would drive down Wright Avenue in Sunnyvale. And when I was driving the, the van... Everybody pulling out of their driveway would just pull out in front of me because it was like, well, it's a soccer mom. She's going to have to stop. Right. I don't care. When I drove the Jag, people would hesitate backing out because they think, I don't want to hit a car and have to pay that much money to repair it. When I drove my pickup truck, people would pull back in the driveway because it was like, oh, this guy could have a gun or be a, you know, be a crazy guy or something. So the, the real truck test is when you drive a Tesla truck down suburban streets, do people pull out in front of you? Also, the practical thing. I thought about this truck last night. I thought, well, how far do I normally drive my truck? Well, most of the time, just short hops. I'm delivering stuff. I'm moving stuff. I'm going to the dump. 
But several times a year, I take kids to Boy Scout camp. I drive up to the snow in Tahoe. I got houses on the southern Oregon coast, 470 miles away. Okay, am I going to use this thing? No, I'm not going to stop it at Eureka and spend the night charging the thing just <laughs> to go the next day. I'm going to, you know, bonsai run this thing in one trip like I've always done. So, ah, it's, uh, this is a real one. I, I'm not convinced this is going to work, but I love I love Elon's, you know, guts of trying to do this. Yeah, there's certainly guts involved. Wall Street has voted, by the way. Uh, we're talking on Friday morning Yeah. Uh, after the Thursday night launch. Uh, stock down about 20 bucks. Whoa. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, this is a stock yeah. that traditionally runs up ahead of these events, yeah. and then you find out whatever it is, no matter how attractive to the market, yeah. is, is going to be waylaid. So this thing, um, probably they're saying late 2021 into 2022. Who knows what that means? Yeah, because the they're so good at meeting their delivery Right, days. exactly. So stock down. But uh, yeah, uh, wow. What a statement and what a big question mark. Yeah. Uh, That's you the know, shape I see out of this is a I, giant question mark. I love his moxie. I mean, he might be able to induce another paradigm shift. That would be cool. Who knows? All okay. right. Okay. Dreamforce. Yeah, you know, the big headline from Dreamforce, I think, was the protest. There wasn't yeah. all that much to this except big speakers. Uh, yeah. I was there. It's always fascinating to see uh, the, the streets, Howard Street and Fourth Street, completely shut down. You can just walk around, no cars. Uh, Salesforce goes all out. They clearly don't, uh, you know, shirk on the expense. But they well, make a ton of money. Well, between the giant phallic tower, tower right. and the Dreamforce event, I mean, Benioff is increasingly the dominant figure. Yeah, and he's doing it in, with San a Francisco. product that you and I would never need. Yeah. It's, it's all business software, right. back end, exactly. like what Oracle does, and, and to a large extent, Intuit. Um, and these are big companies. But unlike, say, an Adobe, you and I wouldn't say, hey, you know, can I borrow your Salesforce software? I mean, CRM stuff, this is right. all for business. Uh, but yeah, they had a lot of so big they guests. So they had Tim Cook? Yeah. David Beckham? We saw Tim Cook. We saw Amelia yeah, Clark? There. Yep. Though I'm not sure a lot of sales guys in Pasadena are thinking, ooh, Amelia Clark's going to be a dream force. I got to get up there. Hey, and they see man, it. might have seen Game of Thrones. <laughs> I, I mean... love Game of Thrones. I got to be a dream force. <laughs> okay, but, so there wasn't a lot of big announcements there, but there, there usually aren't. No, this was a chance for the like minded software right. people to get together. It's a celebration of the tribe, it's yeah. the annual gathering. Yeah, okay, I, buy, as... I buy that. That's fine. And, they and San Francisco's got to love it. It brings in all these people oh. from all over the world, and they. You Especially know. these days when, you know, San Francisco's got a bad publicity image. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, what were the protests about? Uh, the same thing as last year uh, the fact that Salesforce sells to the government, which uses some of that software apparently for the. Uh, the immigration issue, and they say you're, you know, oh, that's right. they, the camps they, and everything. They, ICE uses it, right? Right. Yeah. And okay. Benioff saying, no, no, we were able to, but I don't think he can decide once you sell to the government where it goes. No. And that's the concern. And uh, it's, it's, you know, let for people most, protest, but the company's right. argument is it's legal, it's proper. We but if you're the Benioff, right channels. Benioff's a little different than that. Well, yeah. He's saying we are a force for good. And again, it, it was a minor protest, but I, I see where they're coming from. And uh, as this thing gets bigger, their profile gets bigger, and therefore they're in the right. spotlight more. Yeah, I, but you know, I'm I'm a I'm a traditional capitalist, which is benefit all those retired people and pensioners who hold stock in your company, benefit your employees, and provide a good product to the world. If you've done that, 
you've done better than 99% of the companies out there. Well, and I'll tell you, uh, for a company that still hasn't turned a profit, but has been around for a long, long time, their stock has just soared over oh, yeah. the last decade. They're I mean, goodness, beast. yeah, they've made a lot of money. Okay. As long as we're on Tim Cook, uh, he had a really bizarre encounter with President Trump uh, down in Texas. What was that all about? They went to. They were in Austin, right? The the big. There's an Apple plant in Austin. There's already. an Apple plant already, and I guess they're going to break ground on another one. But the president acted as if he had just managed to convince Apple to build a giant new manufacturing plant. Right, in which Austin. is not quite true. No, because they're not even. It's not even going to be manufacturing. I don't think they're just expanding their existing facility. Right. Right, where they do some manufacturing. Yeah. I mean, they already have one, and uh, Tim Cook's. I guess gain in this, although I think he took a significant PR hit, is to say, hey, if we can keep the president happy and point out that we make some of these Macs in America, we may get some tariff relief uh, because of the China tariffs. And Apple does a a significant amount of business in China. Uh, And then awkwardly between the two of them, the Samsung issue came up. You know, Samsung is from a different country. I don't quite know why that came up. Um, But it was just very, very awkward. And, of course, Trump had to get in a shot at Pelosi. And Cook just sort of stood there. It's sort of like when they they have presidents from other countries, like when Erdogan came the other day. And and the press is only asking the president questions about domestic policy stuff. Well, by the way, you're in impeachment here. And you see this, you see this, President of the other country sort of sitting there awkwardly, kind of, I have no idea what they're talking about. Cook had, it seemed like Cook had a balancing act. We got to get in good with the feds. We don't want to look like we're bought by China. You know, we want Americans to feel like we're creating jobs here and not sweatshops and overseas. And at the same time, here I am aligning myself at this event with a guy who's going to infuriate 45% of the country. Right? Well, because, again, I mean, you know, Tim Cook is out there saying, hey, Apple stands for diversity. Apple stands for LGBT right. rights. Apple stands for Black Lives Matter. Apple stands for equality. And uh, and a lot of those groups really don't like President Trump. Right. We don't have to get into why right now. But right, come but on, there they you don't. Yeah. And so for a tech leader who, again, like Mark Benioff, is trying to say we're more than just product. So it's a balancing act. It really is. And I, I don't think he balanced it all that well. Have you ever been introduced at an event publicly and they get the introduction wrong and you're sitting there and you're kind of got like sort of a little tiny nervous smile on your face and you're trying to decide do I want to correct these people the the speaker or do I want to just get through this and let the audience have a complete misapprehension of who I am absolutely I got got that look from from Cook at that event down there I really did (laughs) yeah it was it was uh, and that made it a tough week for him Um, he by the way right also spoke uh, to Benioff and all of his things were here's what we want we want equality we want diversity and then that photo op with Trump uh, where a lot of people said wait a minute yeah just said you know so you know he always seems so calm and in control but I've noticed He's got that older CEO look, which is, he. if you look closely, he looks older than he does at first glance. He looks in shape, he's got his hair, you know, and yeah. all that, and trimming on, and in command. But you look closely, he's getting older. And I think I think all of this has, has begun to weigh on him. It's become political, you're right. And, yeah. and that's not something a lot of techies want to get into. Oh, I miss the days when Silicon Valley was not involved in politics. you got to go way back, because think about... Some oh, Packard of the, went back. Yeah, I mean... But he came back from D.C. and said, never again. We will never <laughs> get involved in any of this kind of stuff. 
And then Noyce had to go because of Japan. And that opened the floodgates. After Noyce, you know, you got Ed Shao getting elected. You got all these valley types. And then they start schmoozing. And now all mm-hmm. of a sudden you got, you got President Obama flying in every other weekend for fundraisers. And, you know, it just keeps escalating and escalating. Well, and the lobbyists, I mean, look at the lobby budgets for Google and Facebook. gigantic lobby right. operations. Right. What have we gotten out of this? Honestly, what is tech... When tech removed itself from D.C. and said, look, we're on the other side of the continent. They can do what they want. We're just going to do our business advanced technology and come well, up with a product. and what did we get out of it? We got tech companies that go offshore so they don't have to pay taxes yeah. here. Come on. Yeah. Let's, let's call it what it is. It's, right. it's an end around to try to save money. Right. Okay. We were saving money. Oh, we were. Were we never going to talk about WeWork again? Well, they put a lot of bodies on the street. And this I almost don't understand. 2,400 is a lot of people to lay off. But it still leaves something like 80% of the staff doing whatever it is that WeWork still does. I guess they're still working on that stuck sliding door. (laughs) And and, and cleaning up the asbestos or formaldehyde in the phone bones. Yeah, Yeah, this is, I guess... It's gone from a quickly moving accident to now a gradually slowly yeah, it's moving just gonna bleed. It's going to bleed to death. Yeah. But oh, they were but they were so responsible about the layoff. They handed out donuts to well, the layoff, laid off people. I mean, that's the kind of golden parachute you want for putting in your blood and sweat to make a company successful. It's got to feel terrible to be a WeWork oh. at this point ex-employee because just the humiliation and having gone from hey, we're at this hot company, we're going to go public, to here's a donut yeah. for your troubles in a matter of a couple of months. Yes, That's yes. That's really tough. I mean, usually it takes 30 years. I mean, <laughs> And maybe you get a watch. <laughs> you know, you got Valley companies like, uh, I don't know, uh, some of the original ones, they hung around, Watkins right. Johnson, the Varian Brothers, and all that, for years. And, the, and guys would retire sure. as, as the company just got smaller and smaller. Than the, I knew a guy that was the last guy, literally, at, at Rome. To turn off the lights. Okay. <laughs> well, and in some of those companies, Varian, I mean, goodness, stockholders were richly rewarded. Oh, Employees yes, they were. Employees were richly rewarded. They became cash cows. They ran as right. cash cows and just slowly disintegrated. Back in the day, Made you might soft even have landing, had... Uh, a soft landing yeah. into oblivion. Yeah. And these, uh, all you have at WeWork is, is a founder that got phenomenally wealthy. And, right. and you got a donut. It's got to feel terrible. <laughs> you got to be pissed off. Yeah. You got to be lighting torches and, and holding pitchforks. Meanwhile, we learned about things that WeWorks did, like they held a, a party for 8,000 people over three days in London with performances by Lord and meditation led by uh, Deepak Chopra. Boy, it's nice to know they had that kind of money to burn. Uh, I noticed one of the guys who noticed this early was Scott Galloway. Now, he had that big bestseller this year called The Four. That's right. I actually work with him on that book. Ah. He's a wild man. He's absolutely crazy, but he says stuff that nobody else has the guts to say. And he had said bef- at the time of the IPO announcement, at what point does WeWork's malfeasance become fraud? And I think that's still a question. I still don't think it's been properly adjudicated. Just what happened at that company? I agree, and, and I, adjudicated is a good word. I think there's going to be some some lawsuits, and I'm not sure if they'll come from ex-employees or when inevitably a lot of these offices. Yeah. It's not just the employees that are being put on the street. It's all these startups. Right, startups, and in the case here, even in the Bay Area, we have um, some of the uh, housing advocacy groups, so nonprofits that are in WeWork, when they right. get out on the street, that's really going to be a bad I look. A big class action. And, and I, yeah, so it, this is still 
a very gradual and now slow-moving disaster, but there's more to come, I'm So afraid. would you have bought this company in, in its, in its uh, bankrupt state? Would I? Yeah. No. Do you see any business potential in this thing? No, and remember the CEO of uh, Verizon, John yeah. Laguerre, was said right. to be taking this thing over. That would be, after running Verizon and, and arguably yeah. enriching shareholders, right. putting your stuff on a lot of phones, being a flamboyant CEO, to take this over I think would have been a disastrous move. You got well. You got to look in the mirror and say, "I am a turnaround god. Uh, I will. I will impress everybody if I can make this work." Boy, there's no way to make this work. No, there's no way to make this work. Okay, Google introduced uh, Stadia, cloud gaming service. And it's been a complete catastrophe. Apparently. I remember when this Did you was, cover this? Yeah, I, I covered the launch. Yeah. And it was a lot of fanfare. And the idea was really interesting to a lot of gamers. The idea right. that you can take what you want anywhere. You know, portability yeah, and okay. mobility is everything. Cloud gaming service, infinite number of right. platforms, that uh, sort of thing. But... It, it, <laughs> I don't know. I, I like to see things on the street. I like to see things in the wild. I like to see people actually trying things. And I haven't seen this with Google Stadia. It's right. sort of the same as I feel about Magic Leap, that startup that's gotten so yeah. much funding, but we've never really seen it right. in action. I'll believe it when I see it. And Stadia had... Um, well, they delivered, right? Their their founder's edition, 130 bucks. Right, but that's kind of under-delivering after over-promising, saying over-promising. you'll be able to play everywhere with any device, and you just yeah, haven't but seen they it. they not only under-delivered, but let's keep going. <laughs> with, you know, this is sort of like Christmas, when you were a kid and you got a present, and you got it and you discovered there wasn't a battery anywhere in the house. It's a good analogy. So it wouldn't work. <laughs> so all these people paid, paid extra money, 130 bucks, to get the founder's edition. Of, of the Stadia player, and it arrives, and they can't get their access code. So they can't work it. So they got a brick. And I'm sure these gamers were very, very understanding about sitting around with this thing they've been waiting for, <laughs> that they're all excited to play, and now they can't open it up. They can't, they literally can't take the ribbon off the box. Right. I mean, here's something. Hey, you can play anytime, anywhere on your device. Ooh, but first you have to go to your computer and get, what, an email with an access code and download. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, um, it's not... And, and, you know, you don't see the EAs of the world lining up to make games for, for this no, stuff. No, no. I, I don't know that it will just go away or if it's just the an awkward these, opening. But Google has the money to make anything I work. know, but these code companies, they really don't understand. There's a history of this in the Valley. And it goes. Sure. it literally goes back to... Intel and the Microma watch, yes. which was, they engineered the crap out of that thing. They thought it out. They did everything. And they had no understanding of how the retail market works, especially the jewelry market. And, and you know, remember Gordon Moore used to wear his Microma watch for like 30 years after they right. got, took a bath on the product. And he said, that's to remind me to stay out of the retail business. Because the Swiss understood a watch is not about the technology. It's about the rarity. Right. And no, and, and consumer uh, products are, are a tough game. Yes. And, and if you're and, Apple, and, you can do it. But if you're, and I'll say Intel has tried even in recent years, Cisco tried, Microsoft right. with the Zune, Facebook phone. I mean, none of these gotta, companies are It's got to be in your DNA. Products. Exactly. It's in, it was in Apple's DNA because they built for the market before they built for the technology in exactly. the early days. These guys have no idea. They don't understand retail customer expectations. All right. They haven't learned. You're right. Okay, quick ones. Uh, Samsung's opening a retail store in Palo Alto. (laughs) Only 10 years too late. (laughs) 
I don't know what that's all about. Maybe you can get an exploding phone go off. I was going to say, phones, can I get a washer dryer? <laughs> you know, Samsung covers everything. <laughs> I know. Uh, they can turn into a new Sears if they want yes. to. Uh, Facebook has broken ground on a new mega campus in Fremont. Meaning they now own, basically Dumbarton Bridge is now their driveway. Yeah, I've seen this because I've been up there and there's so much land out there and Facebook yeah. is developing a ton of it and it's just amazing the growth of Is it of just that right company. on the other side of Dumbarton where yeah. you have all those big tidal flats out there yeah, and, the low, and the low hills and all that? Right, and, and yeah. they're building along that main road um, and uh, it's just so well, much growth. there's a tremendous amount of room out there. Right, and, and they're, you know, good for them, they're building in an area that's that's not going to be... I mean, the, the roads will be crowded, but it's not like they're jumping into neighborhoods and crowding things. That was an area right. that nobody wanted for a long time, and now Facebook is putting its gigantic uh, campus out there. Okay, so we're out of time. Yes. What's the likely big story for uh, Thanksgiving Do, do you want to do winners and losers first? Well, let's do winners and losers. Right. Yes, absolutely. Uh, okay, so I'll, my winner, and it's a quiet... You don't even send me your winner. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, so I'm going to be a surprise. The late night. I'll be as surprised as anybody. Well, yeah. all right. So the, the winner, I'm going to say, is Roku. Very quietly, their stock nearing all-time highs. Why? Because of what we talked about last week. All the streamers are coming. Right. And while the rest of the world is debating, do I go Hulu? Do I go Disney Plus? Do I go Apple? Roku is just sitting there saying, bring it all. Whatever we you want, you're coming through us. Right. Somebody's got to be the, it's like Cisco during the dot-com boom where the picks and the shovels and the tools, Roku is saying, you got to come through this us. This is the most quiet dominance I've ever seen. I just noticed in the last year or two, everybody I know yeah. has Roku box. I've got a Roku box. I mean, I don't, I don't even know remember how I got it, but I have a Roku box. <laughs> and and they, they're they expanding a little bit, but just they, they just must be, uh, you know, cashing the checks at this point because everybody's got to come through something. I think the cable companies might have missed an opportunity because they were so obsessed with content. And I get it because content is king. Yeah, but, but they, they had the, the boxes exactly. in place. They could have replaced the ones they have with a streaming box. It and just said, hey, so you've got to come through here. No matter yeah. who you get, let's be agnostic. Right. And even if you're, you know, my, uh, my employer, Comcast, or if you're 18 or whoever, say, come through us and pay us those monthly fees and we will just, you know, cash the checks. So good for Roku. They, they should be on this for a while because yes. people haven't even started to... Right. You know, enter the streaming waters as they will. My loser, uh, any tech CEO who met with the president, you know, you talked about <laughs> yeah. Tim Cook and what a week had. Mark Zuckerberg met with the right. president Privately. and took so much crap for that. Oh, I think it's hilarious. He tried to do it in secret, too. Yeah. And it came out. I mean, come on. And then the statement, you know, hey, world leaders sometimes invite you to the White House. Sure, that happens to me all the time. Yeah, all the, every day. Uh, and so, I get tired of turning down those gilt edge invitations. Right. And it's... It's not even a partisan thing at this point. It's yeah. just that it's done so awkwardly uh, well, uh, that that it's it just looks bad. Yeah, but Mark Zuckerberg does everything well true. a little bit awkwardly. True. Okay, my winner of the yes. week, uh, your story, big story <laughs> last night. Geeks who always dreamed of being badass truck drivers. Yes. I don't think they're going to get to badass with this truck. They maybe might, initially, but, yeah. but I can't see these guys. You know, pimping these things up. You know, adding stuff on it. You know, you're gonna put you, you big old pipes, fake pipes, and and sound effects. Or you're gonna you're gonna put a brush bar on the front of your polygon polygon truck. <laughs> That's actually a good term, is a polygon it's truck. A polygon. That's what it is. If you think about it, in the last few years, we've seen Teslas all over. But you know, we're here in the Bay Area, where yeah. there's kind of a bubble. But you see Teslas. You know, they're just sedans, maybe an SUV. They go quietly by. Imagine if this sells. yes, and then this seeing all these road warrior yeah, right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, loser. Yes. Uh, Google Stadia owners, but I may substitute the WeWork 
<laughs> donut recipients That's as it, the yeah. true losers of the week. At least the Google Stadia owners can afford a new truck. Right. And the you donut holders are looking for Well, donuts. and you can't use a donut for a door, a doorstop, but you can use your new Google Stadia. Very good. Okay, uh, that's it for now, folks. You can follow Scott on Twitter and Facebook. And, of course, watch him every weeknight at 5, 6, and 11 on NBC Bay Area. As for our producer, you can read Taz reporting in San Jose Metro and Content Magazine. And I'm still hunched over a hot keyboard trying to finish my next book. Everyone, have a great week have a great thanksgiving and uh do not spend it at the office and we'll see you uh in two fridays take care bye-bye